Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute ticket to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Well, it is easy. You just pop the app open, pick your event, pick your seats. It's right there. And hey, if you want to go see the national title game, Clemson, LSU in New Orleans, probably pretty hot ticket, but you never know. As we get closer, maybe some folks change your mind about going to the game. Maybe they have a few too many hurricanes. Use the Game Time app to get your national title game tickets. Because right now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or the App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score maybe not last minute to the national title game, but a few weeks out. Go to game time. Get yourself in the stadium. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, live from Arizona edition. Well, nothing's ever live in a podcast. <laughs> but I am here with Grace Rayner, our Clemson beat writer. The national title game is set. Clemson has just beaten Ohio State at State Farm Stadium, which looks like a giant Hershey kiss in the middle of the desert. <laughs> but what a game, Grace. Yeah. This this was, it looked like Clemson was, was going to get blown out of the building. And then all of a sudden... There's a targeting call against Ohio State. Clemson gets a drive going. It's a game again. And then they pull it out with what has become. I don't. It feels like they just know when they get the ball and have to go the length of the field with two, three minutes to go that they're going to do it. I mean, going back to Deshaun Watson and and now carrying on with Trevor Lawrence, it it I, I can't remember a time in recent history when Clemson's been in that moment and hasn't been able to get down the field and score. Yeah. Now that you say that, I don't, I don't think I can remember a time either. I mean, you're right. It's just kind of two minute drill. All right, let's go do it. And these quarterbacks are, you know, we laugh about it because after Deshaun left, Dabo said this was a generational talent. And then the next generational talent came in a year later, but yeah, this is just kind of what they do. Well, and and the thing about it is this was a a weird game for Clemson. I mean, we've seen them run Trevor Lawrence a little bit during the season. I don't think they envisioned having to run Trevor Lawrence this much. I mean, Ohio State did a great job taking away Travis Etienne. People kept saying, well, why don't they hand it to Travis Etienne more? Because they're they're running read option plays. The reason Trevor Lawrence is pulling the ball is because handing it to Travis is not there. That's going to get stopped. And you saw with Trevor that, you know, it's not just the arm. He actually has some wheels, too. Sure, yeah. And I know that Clemson has talked about this a lot, but, you know, there were three very specific things over the course of the offseason that they sat Trevor down and said, we want to see from you. And one of them was, let's get your legs more involved. We want to see you be more mobile. Um, So that was a really intentional conversation that he had with quarterbacks coach Brandon Streeter, Dabo Sweeney, Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott. I mean, you name it. This was very much part of the plan for 2019 Trevor Lawrence. Well, and and when he takes off and outruns the entire Ohio State secondary, I think that's the part where you realize, oh, 
This is not just an elite quarterback. This is an elite athlete too. Yes. And I, I think, I don't, I think some people had noticed that, but I don't think the general public for the most part had noticed. And, and let's talk about this because we, you and I have talked about this a bunch of times in the last two months. I don't think anybody's watched most of a Clemson game outside of the Clemson fan base since the North Carolina game. Sure. This was the first time America sat down and watched Clemson play for the, in two months. Sure. Yeah. And it looked for a while like they needed to get their sea legs against this kind of speed and this kind of, of, of athleticism in a game because they hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was by far the most physical game Clemson has played all year long. I mean, we saw a, a gazillion people on both sides running in and out. I mean, T. Higgins is obviously banged up early. Um, but, yeah, Clemson was – and that's not a, a knock on the ACC or whatever, but they they just had not seen a team this Oh, I'm visible. happy to knock on the ACC. <laughs> All right, knock them. ACC, you've not held up your end of the bargain. You did not help Clemson prepare for Ohio State at all. <laughs> no, okay, you're because right. Because this, right. this was the best team Clemson's played by far. Sure. Uh, they had not seen any team that had, you know, better position groups than they had. Right, across and the like, board, too. And, yeah. like, Ohio State's defensive line – was better than Clemson's offensive line for a lot of the night. Right. That was, they struggled there uh, until Sean Wade went out with a targeting penalty. They struggled to throw the ball. They, they weren't getting enough time to attack downfield. And then when they tried to attack downfield, they were covered. So uh, it was, it was interesting, but then it did, it did seem like as the game went on, they kind of got used to it, which I mean, I, I keep thinking about it. They see it in practice every day. They do see that level of speed right. and athleticism from themselves. Right. But how hard is it to, to adjust when that's not what you've seen all year? Sure. I mean, and we even saw too, something we haven't really had to see all year. We, we saw Brent Venables have to adjust. I oh, mean, man, he, he, <laughs> I asked him after the game, I said that there was a, a moment in the first half where Ohio state did the fake look over to the sideline to get a play, except the Ohio State players knew they weren't doing that. Right. All the Clemson players stand. Poor Niles Pinckney <laughs> is standing straight up and down, looking at the sideline, and gets crushed by three <laughs> Ohio State offensive linemen. And look, you get what you deserve on that. Sure. You got tricked. Right. And I asked Brent Venables about that. I said, "How mad do you get? Do you laugh? Can you just do you just laugh? Do you smile?" He said he just laughed. Wow. And the, yeah. it, but he said LSU is going to do that too. He said LSU has that too. Glad that. It didn't cost the game right. because you got to be ready for it in the national title game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen Brent Venables. I can't remember the last time I've seen Brent Venables get fooled or, you know, or, or tricked or, you know, whatever word you want to use there. But um, I would I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall, though, in halftime as he's mad sciencing it to figure, figure this out. Well, he and he and Kevin Wilson, Ohio State's sure. co-OC, worked together at Oklahoma. They had a moment after the game in the in the tunnel and they were they were talking back and forth. And I, I think the general gist of it was you you threw everything at me, didn't you? Sure. Yes, I did. Yep. You threw everything at me, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, it was a fun game to watch. And, uh, you know, obviously in stark contrast to what we saw in the Peach Bowl with, with LSU just destroying Oklahoma, we knew this was going to be tight. Right. But did you think it would come down to another Clemson has to march down the field? But uh, interestingly enough, a, a lot of those Clemson has to march down the fields. You know, whether it was uh, Florida State in 2016, the national title game after mm-hmm. the 16th season, Syracuse last year with Chase Bryce, the backup quarterback, this was one where they scored 
But then the defense had to do something. Right. As soon as they scored, everyone is like, okay, did they just did they score too fast? You know? Because well, Ohio State had been moving ball all night. Sure. They 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 Clemson's defense had been good in the red zone. Right. Uh there were a couple times that Ohio State got inside the 10 and only got field goals, but they had been moving the ball right. on Clemson all night. Right, right. And they moved it quickly then too. Yeah. I mean, I Twitter Twitter was fun after that one because everyone was freaking out about. I feel like Clemson just scored too fast. Well, Nolan Turner had had gotten beaten for a touchdown earlier, yep. and he winds up being the guy. Now, I don't know exactly where the miscommunication was on Ohio State's offense, but Nolan Turner did what he was supposed to do. Right. His job is, is take away the post. Justin Fields threw the post. Nolan Turner was the only person in the end zone, right? The only capable of catching the ball. The end zone. Yeah, I yeah I need to go back and look at that too because I I need to figure out where he was. The, the receiver, the receiver, I believe. No, he was going where he was supposed to go. Okay. The receiver, I believe, went somewhere else. Okay. But I, that also may have been the receiver making an adjustment because had Justin Fields noticed him, he was standing alone in the end zone, ah. and it would have been a touchdown. So it, and that's how. That's how close these two teams sure. were. It was Justin Fields making one little snap decision differently. And this from, different. Yeah. And and I'm talking to Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis <laughs> right now, and, and they're getting ready to go to New Orleans. But now you are getting ready to cover a, a second consecutive national title game for Clemson. Three national title games in four years. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Four national title games in five years. Five, yep. Uh, potential to win three national three titles in four years. This – it still seems surreal having covered Clemson when Dabo was the interim coach and thinking, well, this seems a little risky, you know, could this work? And as they, you know, in fits and starts, they hire Chad Morris, they change the offense, they hire Brent Venables, they change the defense, but here they are. Can you believe that this is the machine that they've created? It really, when you really sit back and think about it, it really is remarkable for the exact reason that you just said. I mean, a decade ago, Dabo Sweeney says this is going to be the best decade in in Clemson football history. And you think, okay, <laughs> you know, all right. I mean, like, I appreciate the positivity. And, and, you know, here they are closing out 2019, about to do this thing again. Yeah, it really is surreal when you sit back and think about it. Well, and, and so this time it's not Alabama on the other side. Right. It's going to be LSU <laughs> – and an LSU team that that vanquished Alabama basically, and looks like I, they look like the most dominant team we've seen maybe since two thousand one Miami. Yeah, I mean they just, I mean you and I watched part of the Peach Bowl. It's just mind boggling what they're what they're doing. I mean Joe Burrow is the he's not he's not fully human. I I don't yeah and and that's the thing you're gonna get Brent Venables against, against Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and Steve Insminger and and you're gonna get Dabo against Coach O, two guys who were position coaches before head coaches never coordinators now yeah. now Coach O had head coaching experience before he became LSU's head coach but uh, I would argue that it was so bad when he was at Ole Miss <laughs> right. that it probably hurt his you don't chances. Really count that as That's probably approach. why he didn't get the USC job after he was the interim. But you know, it feels it, though they look outwardly different. Dabo and and Ed Orgeron seem very similar to me, mm-hmm. where that their strength is motivation, organization, recruiting, and they are willing to change things up as things go to evolve. 
to make themselves competitive. I mean, that, that that's that's Dabo with changing the offense, with changing the defense. Ed Orgeron with searching for a while to get that the right mixture on offense until they've hit what seems like the absolute perfect formula now. Sure, yeah. I, I, I do think that – and I don't know how much they've interacted with one another. I know that Dabo was saying they chatted in Atlanta and um, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I do think they probably see each other in, in themselves. And uh, you talk about motivation. I mean, we just got back from a, a Clemson locker room that was – blaring Aretha Franklin's respect. That was know? a little like, cheesy. Yeah, a little Come on. It was like a, you could tell they were kind of trying to troll a little bit. But uh, I mean, master of motivation. Everybody man. knows they're good. Right. Like Dabo knows people are tired of that part, right? I, the, the little old Clemson, the nobody respects us card. I think, I think that they're maybe at this point just trolling people because their their Clemson tw- their uh, Clemson Twitter account did the same thing. Little old Clemson is now six and two, and you know whatever. <laughs> right now, they probably will be the Vegas underdog yes. in the game, which I I'm think sure. They already da- are. Yeah. Well, yeah, which I'm sure Dabo loves. I'm sure that he's, definitely loves. He's thrilled, yes. and I don't look at lines unless you're the underdog and you can <laughs> use it for something. Yes, exactly. Oh, he'll love that it's going to be in New Orleans and the talk is going to be about LSU's crowd. And um, yes, he will He will love everything that's going to come with this. Well, this will get the game sold out at least because Clemson fans have got to be going broke going all Seriously. these playoff games. Oh my gosh, I know. I kind of want to at some point figure out, like if you're a Clemson fan, do you go on vacation anymore or is this just your... You just go to the playoff every year? vacation every year, yeah. Like are you just skipping your Myrtle Beach trip now? Well, and that's and that's the thing, you know, this this was really the first huge test for a defense that the back seven is very similar to what you saw last year. I mean, Trayvon Mullen's playing for the Raiders now, but mm-hmm. but that front four yeah. completely revamped. You know, Niles Pinkney made a big play in the national title game last year, but for the most part, those other guys are really, you know, they were so, role yeah. players last year. This is this is kind of proof that they can keep this going. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, and we've talked about this a lot where with Venables too, he's just so he's just such a master at catering to what he has. Like he meets them where they are and does not make them meet him where he is. And as long as that is going to continue, yeah, this thing is rolling and Yeah, and I do think that there's there's a positive and a negative coming out of this. The the negative being that Ohio State and Clemson battered one another. Yes. And and Clemson's going to go into this game banged up. T. Higgins was banged up in this game. Yes. Uh, th- there were guys just limping off the field. They were coming back and trying to play. and But they, they're going to be – I don't care if it's 13 days right. or whatever. They're or, or ice bathing it between now and yeah. January. Actually, it's like 15 or 16 days. Yeah. 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 They're, they're going to be banged up from this. But they got to play Justin Fields, who yes. I think – gives them a very good approximation of what you're dealing with with Joe Brady. Now, I don't know that that he's as crisp a decision maker as Joe Brady, but he's probably as good or, or better of an athlete, you know, in terms of getting around and and, and keeping plays alive or just running and, and gaining yards that way. So it does feel like they, they got a, a chance to at least experience what it's like to play against that dynamic a quarterback and that good of a receiving core right. with that good of an offensive line. So – They've at least seen something like that. LSU has seen it in pieces. Sure. They've seen Alabama's offense. They've seen Auburn's defense. They've seen Florida's defense. They've seen Georgia's defense. Uh, But they haven't seen it all in one total package. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... 
this was the thing coming into this game is, okay, this is Clemson's first test of the year. How are they going to handle it? Okay, check. They got through it. Um, but, yeah, now, you know, they're playing for, for all the marbles and, and obviously the Heisman Trophy winner. So I don't I'm excited. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think I'm going to eat a lot in New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. I need to make sure I'm hanging out with you, man. Oh, it's it's. I need to the recover, though, made. after this week. I don't know if you checked our, our pal Max Olson's Twitter account tonight. I did. He's in New Orleans. He went to a place called Galliano, which is a newish place that I went to for the first time a couple years ago when I was there for the Sugar Bowl. Max got the pork chop, uh, which is approximately one feet one foot tall. That thing one, was one foot thick. massive. Yeah, it, it was huge. Uh, I The times I went, I got the prime rib... Uh, for two for one, and <laughs> it was uh, it was outstanding. It's like you know, it's like a forty eight ounce prime rib. It's just it's no problem. Forty eight. No, nope. oh this gosh. is no problem. <sighs> See, for for those who don't know, Grace had her first true experience <laughs> eating with me at a place called Chompy's in uh, in Phoenix today. Uh, Ari Wasserman, our, our beloved Ohio State beat <laughs> writer, who grew up in this area, took us to Chompy's. It's a great New York deli. And they have some of the best challah in the world. <laughs> and they make these challah sliders. And so it is brisket over a latke, a latke uh, you know, a potato pancake. Oh, I didn't know that was in there. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And cheese. Oh, my gosh. On the, there's three of these. And they're, they're basically the size of a small hamburger. Uh, they're bigger than a normal slider. Yeah, yes, they are. With brown gravy to dip them in. So I had that <laughs> plus plus a full size <laughs> corned beef and pastrami sandwich on rye because their corned beef and pastrami looked amazing and yeah. was amazing. It was so. good. I thoroughly enjoyed watching you stare your food down and destroy it. Well, it, I I was with Ari and, and Bill Landis, our other Ohio State beat writer. We are all gentlemen of considerable carriage, <laughs> and I didn't want to feel inadequate. With them because they were they were packing it down. They were themselves. ready to go. Yes, they so, were definitely ready to go. So yeah, no. In, in New Orleans, it will be great. I have already <laughs> scheduled my Orange Theory classes so I can there you go guilt free. Uh, Brody Miller, our LSU beat writer, you're going to hear from him in a few minutes. He already has a list of bars that we need to visit that are not on Bourbon Street. Oh, okay. There, there, yeah, I will, spent too much time on Bourbon there Street. There will time. be no yard glasses. <laughs> None. I need Brody to chill with his um his tweets though, with the LSU people vomiting and um. But that's what they do. That's true. The vomit. The vomit picture was a lot though. The the Clemson folk, you know, they've been to New Orleans. The last time they were in New Orleans, it was pretty miserable for them. It was and the whole trip. It was wet, rainy, cold, cold and they got destroyed. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is this is like a revenge tour for them. And and they've got they've had that before. Uh the last time they were in this building, mm-hmm. they beat Ohio State 31 to nothing. That was washing the taste of losing to sure. Alabama in the national title game out of their mouth with the the Nick Saban onside kick with the most genuine Nick Saban <laughs> smile I've ever seen in my life after that play. So, yeah, it, it, they they are pretty good at it sort of making the place their own after they've they've had a bad experience there. So yes. we'll see. But this one will be a little bit different because it will feel like a road game. It will. So yes. for all of Dabo's contrived, you know, making up a disrespect card to put a chip on their shoulder. He doesn't when, need one really this time. Nope. It'll be easy. Yeah. Silver silver platter. There Everybody thinks they're going to lose. 
He's not making that up this time. It's true. Right. Everybody does. And and <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of drunk Louisiana people <laughs> screaming their heads off. I can't wait. I know. I'm really, really excited. I've The LSU fan base I've heard a lot about, but I've never seen them up the close. The best tailgaters in America. That's what I've heard. And there's a chance there's going to be a Saints game there the day before. Incredible. The NFL will have to cooperate. The, the, the way the NFC is going to have to shake out correctly for that to happen. But Amazing. if that happens, it will be an incredible weekend and an incredible weekend for the staff of The Athletic because if the Saints are playing a home game on Sunday – do you know what the staff of the Athletics is going to do during that game? Um, eating? We're going to Giacomo's. What is that? One of the best restaurants in the world, Ooh. but they, they don't take reservations. Okay. And usually you're sitting there waiting for three hours. But during a Saints game, <laughs> you can walk right in. Awesome. Done. Awesome. Let's go Saints. <laughs> we'll be right back with our LSU beat writer, Brody Miller, to talk about the Tigers' victory in the Peach Bowl against Oklahoma. We'll be back in a minute. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. Apple's 2017 App of the Year with over 37 million downloads offers an array of benefits, including an improved night's sleep, sharper focus, decreased anxiety, lower blood pressure, and much more. You too can experience the benefits of Calm by visiting calm.com forward slash staples for 40% off a Calm premium membership, which gives you access to Calm's library of meditation programs, ranging from sleep stories for bedtime and breathing exercises to relaxing sounds and videos. See firsthand why Calm has been featured in Forbes, USA Today, The New York Times, and other major publications like us at The Athletic. Don't wait. Visit calm.com forward slash staples for 40% off a premium membership to the number one app for sleep and meditation. Joined now by our LSU beat writer, Brody Miller. Brody, this was a weird day for LSU. Tragedy early in the day and then just a kind of stunning in its dominance win. Um, I'm curious, how, how did the day unfold for the LSU coaching staff and players with uh, the daughter-in-law of, of Steve Insminger, the offensive coordinator, dying in a plane crash? And then how did they find out? And then how did, how did the timeline work as, as they went into the game? Yeah, news started to come out about, you know, around noon our time, Eastern time. And, you know, from, from what uh, – after talking to a few staffers, Dave Aranda was telling that, you know, basically they were sitting in a staff meeting and one of the analysts saw it on his phone and Steve Ensminger wasn't in the room yet. And they all talk about it and they're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then Steve Ensminger walks in the room and they do their meeting kind of before they tell him. And Dave Aranda said it was this most heartbreaking thing because he just like couldn't take his eyes off Steve the whole meeting because he knows what he's about to have to find out. And then Ed Ogeron, you know, pulls Steve aside and, and tells him. And Steve, you know, kind of broke down. And, you know, that's, and Steve Ensminger is not a man that that breaks down often. This is obviously one of those moments. So then, you know, he spent the rest of the day. I mean, he was always going to coach, you know, it was never even a debate about whether or not he'd coach, but he spent the rest of the day basically kind of not really in any of the meetings, not really in any of the walkthroughs because he was handling this situation with his family and trying to help his son, you know, who, you know, his only son and was having his own problems in this moment. And all pretty much the whole family was in Atlanta. He was the only one who didn't make the trip pretty much. So it was a, uh, a pretty surreal day for Steve Ensminger and LSU, but then 
as you said, I mean, Steve kind of went back. He, there was no change in the play calling dynamic. You know, he he still, you know, split the play calling duties with Joe Brady and LSU went up and uh, put up 63 points. It was just an unbelievable offensive explosion. And I mean, this game was over really in the first quarter. Were you surprised? I, I saw some quotes that you got from, from LSU players, uh, Joe Burrow specifically saying that they weren't, they weren't surprised by this, but I mean, 63 points that they're up 49, 14 at the half. Uh, we've seen this offense click on all cylinders this year, but I'm not sure it's been quite this dominant. Yeah, you know, it, was, it just was really fascinating, you know, talking to different LSU staffers, analysts, whatnot, leading up to this game. And, you know, you, you know, I just kind of picked their brain on things like, hey, what do, you, what do they do well? What do you think about them? Where do they stand? And they weren't trash talking. They weren't like, they, like trying to put them down, but they were just several of them said, like, I'm just being honest. I, I don't think they're a top 15 team. Like they don't, they didn't, they thought they were like the fifth or sixth best team LSU's played this year. And I, that just sounded so jarring in the moment. And then you watch this game, and I'm not saying I agree with the overall sentiment, but the idea that, I mean, just this was a shellacking. I mean, it was the offense just did whatever they wanted, and, and it kind of now all of a sudden you step back at it with the hindsight and you say, okay, I mean, LSU's played four of the best defenses in the country, and they've played, faced so many good t- defenses every week. Maybe we should have seen coming that against Oklahoma defense that is by no means bad, but not really in the level of any of those ones. You know, maybe we should have seen this coming that they could be this dominant because we've seen Georgia, Auburn, Florida, these really great teams try so many things. Yeah, I, I guess we should have seen this coming. But I guess the more impressive thing that I couldn't have expected was how good the defense played and how much they really got in Jalen Hurts' face and stopped the running game early. I mean, yeah, 28 points kind of looks bad. But when, you, when you're playing with the tempo and whatnot of this game and also having a massive lead, those numbers are a little misleading. This defense really genuinely does look pretty complete right now. I, I am curious about the defense. I feel like we kind of set what we feel about this defense after the Alabama and Ole Miss games. And and the Alabama game, they still have Tua. They have that unbelievable receiving core. So you kind of expected that sort of performance from them. The Ole Miss game where, where John Rice Plumley runs all over LSU, that's the one where I think people started to lose confidence in the defense. But I go back to that game and the circumstances of that game they had a huge lead by the time all that stuff started happening. Do you think we over, you know, just sort of overreacted to that against Ole Miss and and sort of forgot that there's some really good players on this defense? I mean, Grant Delpit, Caleb on Chason, Derek Stingley. Uh, this is when it wants to be feels like it can be a dominant defense. Yeah, I think there's the Ole Miss game. I think is a really fascinating thing because there was some, some there were some real sustainable issues there. I mean, the big play stuff has kind of been a consistent theme for the year, but overall, it was a yeah, it was thirty-one-three, and you know, and you know, it's that's already a little hard to stay locked in, let alone against the kind of you know that kind of tricky gimmicky offense and. and you know, it's just kind of that's kind of just a bad marriage, and it's set up to some bad things. And Dave Rand actually opened up in a really interesting way at length about what happened in that game. Basically, was hey, they're basically playing a triple option concept team. Guys messed up, and then when guys messed up, they started trying to do too much. And then because of that, you know, you know how you know when you're playing a triple option team, it's all about just doing your role. And you know that's kind of where that game got away from them because guys tried to do too much. And he's like, we coach them to understand that better this time. And I. Re- 
I really think that's true. But I always go back to the Alabama game, and I think that's actually the best example of how to talk about this defense as a whole because there's a little bit of kind of like the second half made everyone forget the first half of that game because I think we all forget that LSU's defense like sincerely shut Alabama out in the first half. They only gave up six points of offense, and even that was on that. Remember that weird gimmicky uh, touchdown pass on Stingley where he was looking at a sideline? That first half, they got into his face. They shut him down. They held him like 150 yards or something like that. It was really impressive. Then the second half, you know, obviously they gave up a lot of offense that second half. It didn't look good, but it's just kind of like, okay, you have to combine the whole there. Let's not just look at only that second half. But, yeah, my overall answer to your question is I think there are better defenses than this, but, I mean, Grant Delpit being healthy just can't be understated, and it changes so much about everything that goes on with this defense, and he is uh, back to being Grant Delpit right now. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I just lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. And the doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com forward slash staples and complete an online visit. Again, that's GetRoman.com forward slash staples for a free visit to get started. The other thing I want to ask you about this team that I find absolutely fascinating is the confidence that they come into games with. You know, you were talking earlier about how they sort of expected this to happen. And and I go back to, to pre-Alabama, to pre-Florida, to pre-Auburn. They have felt this way about every game. And that's not something that, that LSU did in previous years that they, they didn't act that way. What changed? Who, who did this? Was it, was it Orgeron? Was it Joe Burrow? Is it, is it a combination of, of people? How did the, the entire mentality shift from, Oh gee, I hope we win to we're going to win this thing. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's been, it has really been a really consistent theme that I think I've noticed since going back to spring. And it wasn't that way last year. I mean, I can promise you that 29, nothing lost Alabama. They were really tight. They didn't feel like they were as good as that team. They were trying so hard. And this year, I kind of think there's a little bit of the Joe Burrow thing took a, you know, I think him having a full off season, there was just this, like, it became his building. And then all of a sudden this whole team kind of operated how Joe Burrow operated and, you know, they, Joe Burrow was insisting on all these, you know, extra practices with the receivers where he would force them to go out, not force, but yeah, he would make them go out and they would work on their timing all night and things like that. And, you know, this whole kind of culture started building around Joe Burrow's insane, irrational confidence. And that kind of, I th- I, and this is just my theory, but I think that kind of started to spread. And then you have all this talent. And I think, you know, the 2018 season taught LSU that it could be good. And then 2019 was about being like, all right, you know, we're good. Let's just do it. And then when the offense came together, it was like LSU with an offense. What what could stop us if we actually now have an offense? And I really find that a uh, fascinating because it, you're right. It has been the the story of this season. And I, I I really think you know everyone talks about Joe Brady and all these things, but I really think that that culture shift is actually kind of the underlying story of this season. That the why is probably the best question. I'm not sure. Spinning forward, LSU Clemson. Tigers on Tigers, Death Valley on Death Valley. This is, to me, Brody, it seems like if LSU got to play a team that had Alabama's offense 
and Auburn's defense, that that level of, of talent. It, and it didn't really matter who won this game here in Arizona. They were going to get a complete opponent in the national championship game. How pumped are they to really test themselves? Because I mean, we, we've seen them tested. I mean, we've seen them against Florida. We've seen them against Auburn, against Alabama, against Georgia. But to play against a team where athlete for athlete, they are playing somebody who really matches up with them. Yeah, I would imagine there probably is some excitement. I mean, because, yeah, it's like every team they've played, there's a clear, you know, they're elite at this one thing, but there's this flaw, there's this flaw. And, you know, I mean, I, I really am interested to see, you know, what, you know, the thing with Joe Burrow is just whatever you throw at him, you know, he'll pick apart, but maybe he'll face, you know, maybe Clemson will be the defense that actually can play balanced and still stay with him. I, I'm really curious to see what they can do. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they definitely haven't faced anybody as good as Clemson. They haven't faced anybody as complete as them. And I think that goes both ways in terms of I think Clemson can match up relatively well with, with LSU's offense. But then on the other side of the ball, I mean, LSU has not played a quarterback even near Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. Nobody even in the same realm as him. That's LSU's faced a lot of good defenses, but there's an argument to me that they haven't – well, Oklahoma was supposed to be it, so maybe this doesn't work anymore. But I don't think they had really faced many elite offenses because I guess I counter that by saying I don't think Tua was quite himself for that game. So I think that's the, that's the huge wrinkle here. It's Dave Aranda against a, a really elite quarterback that can beat you with both his arm and leg. Uh, I, I think this is the ultimate test for this LSU team, and, and it is kind of the, the perfect way to end the season. LSU playing for the national title – in New Orleans. The last two times this has happened, <laughs> LSU has won the national title. Uh, what is that week going to be like? Do you have any advice for LSU fans in terms of pacing themselves through that <laughs> through that weekend? It is going to be amazing. And here's the other wrinkle. It can't be forgotten that there's also a chance that, you know, depending on how things work tomorrow in the NFL, that the Saints will be hosting a divisional playoff game that same Sunday. So it would be Sunday, the Saints are hosting a divisional playoff game, and LSU is playing the national championship on a Monday. That is a chance to be the most absurd weekend in the world history. So, or sports-wise, I should say. But yeah, I think... Uh, the key yeah, I was going to say, that's a pretty high bar, bro. Yeah, I was going to say, I had to catch myself. But okay, my, my advice for people would be, don't spend too much time in the in Bourbon on Bourbon Street in the quarter. You know, explore different areas. Don't... Don't go full ratchet New Orleans the whole time because New Orleans is a very cool, versatile city. Let's hit it all. But yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing because I imagine you know obviously every LSU person in South Louisiana is gonna be there, but also I think for for LSU playing in a national title in New Orleans, I think every out of state person is gonna be in town. Like it's gonna be a thing that every single person around LSU just wants to be part of this. It's the ultimate kind of Louisiana culture moment. So I think it's gonna be. As uh, as absurd as that city's been in a while. So we're we're staying off Bourbon Street. Where where are we going? Are we, go, are we doing Frenchman Street? Are we doing Mid City? Are we doing Uptown? Where where are we going? These are good questions. I my Frenchman Street for sure. I'm a big believer in Mid City. That's kind of where I want to. Like I have a lot of my most fun there. I mean, there's, there's like some awesome, cool like wine bars and like really cool creative places in like the Bywater, for example, or off Magazine Street. I mean, let's be. Let's, let's not only do the places where it's like you got to just go, you know, chug a sugary, terrible drink. There's some really elite cocktail places in the quarter that aren't, you know, necessarily, you know, Bourbon Street type places. You know, the quarter is some of the best bars, but they're not all those kind of places. You got to you got to just you gotta hit, hit your wine bar, hit your cool dive bar. Let's not let's not go ratchet at all times. Excellent advice, Brody. I owe you a Sazerac when I get there. We're going to make that happen. We'll find somewhere 
non-ratchet, uh, <laughs> no hand grenades, no hurricanes. Those are our rules. And this is a 25-year-old saying this. Maybe I'm like no fun, but uh, that's just my belief. Yeah. Oh, no. You're just, you're just learning how to have fun. I've been perfecting this for like 16 more years, so don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we are properly lubricated, and then we'll, of course, be stone-cold sober to cover the game because <laughs> this will be the game of the year, Tigers on Tigers, both play in Death Valley. This is what you've been waiting to see all year. Brody, thank you so much. Get some sleep. I will. Thanks for having me on. Take care.